I would like to welcome Professor Victor Grunwald, Chair for Interdisciplinary Euro-Oncology at the West German Cancer Center and University Hospital, Essen, Germany. Thank you very much for accepting our invitation. It's a pleasure, Edgar. It's great to speak about, uh, you know, uh, a topic that is really something that is, uh, um, yeah, that I do every day. So um, I like that. Thank you for the opportunity. Mm -hmm. At the ESMO 2023, you held a lecture on prognostic factors of Rinasa carcinoma, and in a recent broadcast, uh, analyzed the importance of side effect profiles of new treatment options in RCC. Considering all this data and the current guideline, how would you differentiate between first-line uh, immune checkpoint inhibitor, TKI uh, immune checkpoint inhibitor combination, or even TKI monotherapy uh, treatments? Um, well, that, that's an excellent question, Edgar. I think, I mean, uh, when we speak about um, the treatment landscape, I think it's quite diverse. So, of course, we have our, our immune combinations that uh, have been advancing the field lately, I mean, in, in the past years, and they really have big impact on, on overall survival. Because, I mean, considering, um, you know, what is the long-term outcome of, of those treatments? So um, in, in the cytokine times, you know, that's really 90s, you know, we had about 10% of, of long-term survivors um, at five years time. With the TKIs, I think, I mean, we had about 20% roughly uh, speaking in those, um, in, the, in the TKI monotherapy era. And now, you know, it's, it's 40 to 50%, depending on how you define the group. So I think it's, it really is major advancement uh, for the field. And it, it's really, it really had a big impact on, on prognosis of our patients. So I think it's quite important to, um, to, to go with, with those opportunities. So uh, speaking of immune combinations, they are important, you know, but um, is that a, a combination that you ever give to everybody? Uh, certainly not, you know. So there are certain scenarios where I still go with a TKI monotherapy, but, um, you know, I, I think I can count those occasions on one hand, you know, within a year. So most of the times is when we have patients that are frail, they don't have, let's say they, 85 and have a lot of comorbidities, you know, so for them, having some sort of tumor control is more important than, than really looking for five years outcome. So I think in those scenarios, I would rather go with a TKI single agent. Uh, um, but uh, for, for most of my patients, I, I go with the TKI IO or IOYO combinations. And which case do you use the TKI IO or the IOIO combinations? Yeah, that's a tricky question that you asked now, because <laughs> I think I mean for the so I, I I it's individualized I would say because we have the the luxury that we have different choices. Um, I think I mean something that is um is a mainstay of the TKI IO combination is is the punch. Um, of that combo, so that's the higher response rate, um, you know, so it's a better tumor control that you ever have. So you have a lower chance of primary progress progression when you use TKIO combinations. So I think that's the major asset that comes along with these uh, with these combinations. And for me, you know, in patients where you have a higher tumor burden, symptomatic cases, I think that's that, that's my go-to uh, uh, combination, um, of, you know, picking TKIO. And um, sticking with Ipiniwa, I think it's um, it's not necessarily bound to low tumor burden, but um, it's it's um, many times it's a fitter fitter uh, um, and younger population that I use it in, but it's not exclusive. You know, I could treat an 80 year old patient with Ipiniwa because I think it's just a perfect fit, and um, it could be a very young patient, and he will end up having Lenpem or Exipem. You know, uh, for for the purpose of uh, tumor control and tumor shrinkage. So I think it um, 
you know, you cannot just come up with a scheme that is fitting everybody uh, um, uh, into. Um, so it really is depending on, on the patient's perspective and the patient's um, need um, that, that um, swings it towards one or the other combination. And how do long-term toxicities uh, define your uh, treatment choices? Yeah, I think, I mean, when we speak about toxicities, um, I, I, yeah, you know, there, there is, if you use uh, Ipinivo, I think you have a higher chance of having immune-related toxicities, and some of them are quite severe, and, and they could be life-threatening in, indeed. But then, you know, that's within the first four, five, six months or so, and then, it, it you know, that risk is, is just decreasing and with the TKI-IO combinations you know you just you know you have this constant chronic exposure to the TKI toxicity that is a complete different toxicity profile so you cannot really compare that type of toxicity to what you will gain from Ipinivo for instance um, so um, for TKI-IO combinations uh, I do, do speak a lot to my patients about the uh, mucosal and skin toxicities. I think that's something that is really uh, um, the driver for for the patient experience. Um, so the taste alterations, the diarrhea that are really bothering, or the hand foot syndrome, depending on the compound you pick. And for the ipinivo or the the pure immunotherapy, it really is you know um, long term effects are usually hormonal replacement therapy because they tend to stay. Um, I would say permanent. I mean we don't know for sure, but many of those changes are really. Uh, for life um, and and some of those very rare events that are also quite important um, maybe speaking about diabetes it's one to two percent of patients that are experiencing that experience this kind of side effect but you know once it's there it will stay you know that's for good so you will have to have hormonal replacement therapy in most of those patients so i think this is this is um for, for me kind of the area when when you speak of more common uh, toxicities that are chronic um, that are bothersome and and um, have impact on my on my um, daily clinical practice you mentioned how fortunate we are these days we have so many drugs and uh, the patient survival improved a lot so we are obviously looking for second line treatment uh, how does the second line or your option when you think about a second line treatment uh, defines you or helps you to choose something in the first line because you think about you know the these uh, consequent lines yeah um i think th this is where it becomes complicated because thinking about or, or you know planning ahead in sequences is like a bet you know you you think that's that's the journey that you will take but you don't know you know you don't know for sure um, and, and therefore, I don't really think about sequencing. I, I, I really think, you know, what's the best drug to use in my patient at this time now and uh, see how it goes. And if you if you have major effects, let's say you have a complete response, you know, um, we stop therapy usually. We don't think about what, what's coming next. Um, but in principle, I think it's very strong evidence to use cabozantinib in second line. In fact, it's, it's the best studied drug in second line, you know, so I think it's a, um, it really is a very, very strong, um, uh, or the, how do I say, I mean, it's, it's the, what is being used most frequently, I would say, in second line, but Lenif is also a good choice, but then it's, you know, it's more toxic, it's a combination, and then, um, we, you know, in terms of the future and upcoming studies, I think Belzutifan is also coming uh, into place in, in, in third and fourth line. So I think, I mean, there is a 
um, there, there are opportunities for treatment in later lines, um, but you cannot really, you know, you cannot really plan ahead for the next three years. I think that doesn't make sense. And most of the times you're being wrong anyway, you know, because it turns out mm -hmm. to be different because of whatever uh, thing that, you know, occurs uh, throughout the, the, the journey and then, you know, changes the way you think about uh, the treatment. The other positive development uh, due to the advent of the new drugs is uh, that they moved into earlier stages of the disease. So uh, what do we have to know about the adjuvant setting? What do you use there? Yeah, adjuvant is a quite recent um, asset uh, in, in the treatment landscape, I would say. So we have known that disease-free survival can be improved with the use of pembrolizumab for one year in, in patients with adequate risk. Uh, and then there is um, now um, the um, additional benefit for overall survival that occurred um, with the um, longer follow-up time of the 564 study. So um, do I offer to every patient? Um, what we we counsel the patients, I would say. I mean, we speak about what is your risk of recurrence? Is it 20, 30, 40%, you know? Is that a lot? Is that not so much? I mean, it depends on the choice of the patients as well. So um, not necessarily every patient will opt for adjuvant treatment, given the risk um, that you, you know, you're exposing a lot of patients, you overtreat patients uh, um, probably uh, in a certain amount of, um, you know, a certain fraction of patients. And then so um, some of them will opt for additional treatment and then we, we, we go uh, on that journey. So what do we do after recurrence of adjuvant treatment? I think that's, um, that's less known, what is really in terms of data, um, in, in terms of um, predictability, um, it does not affect my choice, I would say. I think the only thing that is certain, I think if if you treat with pembrolizumab and there is a progression on treatment, I think that's quite, um, I, I think that's a strong sign to go for the TKI single agent second line therapy. Um, but if whether you have to have a treatment-free interval of 6, 12, or 24 months, you know, in order to succeed um, with the first-line options that we have currently recommended, or whether that would be a sign to go forward, uh, you know, um, and, and use a TKI single agent, um, second-line agent, um, I think that's not really well explored. I, I think with the context study, what we learned is that, you know, um, maintaining the IO component in later lines may not be as efficient, but um, um, the question is when the, at the time of recurrence after adjuvant treatment, does it really mean refractory disease? I think that's, that's the main question. We did not answer that, to be honest. So I think, I mean, for me, it does not change too much um, in my clinical practice. Um, we tend to use combinations in those patients, um, except for the one occasion where it really um, you know, the progression occurs on treatment. I think that's the only exception. Um, but whether that's the best approach, I think that needs to be shown. Thank you very much. In summary, uh, what do you think, what's your, can you be your message to our colleagues? Yeah, I think it's really exciting times in, in kidney cancer. And um, although we have seen, you know, the advent of combinations coming, it really has big impact on the on the prognosis of our patients. I think that's a very good story. And I think we, we, we're trying to improve um, life here, you know, even in the in the localized disease. And I think that's, that's something um, that we're working on. So I'm curious to see how the long-term outcome for the adjuvant treatment is. But I think it's, it's, it's a really great opportunity um, for, for patients with kidney cancer to have a better um 
better prognosis and, and better outcomes with the current treatments.